So today's guest, you guys have been uh, requesting him quite a bit, and uh, I was able to get him on here finally. So from Fresh Meat 2, we have Noor Jahangir. Thanks for coming on today, Noor. I mean, thank you for pronouncing it right, buddy. I had to, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to getting, uh, you know, started on this, man. It's a pleasure having you. It's a pleasure to be here, man. All right. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, your competitive background, because obviously we saw it on full display during the, um, you know, Fresh Meat Combine. Talk to me about, uh, you know, you playing uh, sports growing up and like, you know. Yeah, I grew up, uh, I grew up playing soccer. Um, I grew up playing a lot of different sports, but soccer was obviously the one that took up most of my time and I, I stayed competitive with. But um, my father was real competitive, and I guess that's where I get that nature from, where um, I'm just competitive, and it's just—it's always been a part of me. Whether we're playing Monopoly or we're playing rugby, um, I want to win. And if I don't, I'm throwing—I'm the guy that ruins board game night. It's fine, whatever. I get it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So played soccer uh, my entire life. Played throughout high school, and then I uh, went and played college. Um, and I played a little bit after that. And then um, my roommate in college is actually an Australian guy who is the captain of the tennis team at the same school that I played soccer at. And he got me into Australian rules football. And that's where that career started off. Um, and then I ended up playing for the U.S. team for about about six or seven years. Um, and then I still, you know, dabble in it every now and then. But I'm an old, fat man now. So, uh, but still, it's like, I think I think it was Toby Keith's song where it's like, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. So I'm always there. Anything a shot still just once my endurance none of that's there but i can do everything just about once and that's it that's it yeah bro that was funny you mentioned like some of your analogies i'm like the same way when it comes to like competitive stuff like i uh i like kind of uh you know i'm uh what's the word i'm looking for like a, not like a chaperone but like i'm one of those uh, like a counselor that's what it is I'm one of like a, you know, little kids like camp counselor, like as a summer job in the summer I do. And like, you know, we have to take the kids and, uh, you know, like play like games with them and whatnot. We're playing like soccer. And even there I go like, you know. Extra. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So. I don't care if you're 60 or six years old. You're I'm going to check. Bro, I, I swear to you, I'm I'm like so bad at soccer. But I had uh, a little kid at one day ask me like, oh, like, are you in like the, uh, you play for Barcelona? I was like. Sure yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So. But yeah, Talk to me, uh, I've always been competitive. My circle of friends is competitive. They're stupidly competitive. And I think I think also the competition comes from I my core group of friends always to, the, to today, where we have a kind of a Northeast mentality where we just roast each other constantly. And so if there is a competition of anything and that person lose, they're going to hear about it for anywhere from 40 hours to two years you don't know like those like like i i get reminded of a bet i lost six years ago like weekly so that's like so it generates this like competitive attitude that we have once the entire and so so yeah i'm competitive i always have been and i think i always will be right so everybody you know has like their casting process yeah how they got you know, or on the show rather, or, you know, they found out about the show, like what made them, uh, you know, get into it. Pete actually has a very unique one. I don't know if he's ever told you it's, but um, now I'm going to ask you uh, what what yours was like. Yeah, I heard about Pete's. Pete's was different. Um, mine was relatively normal. Um, so I grew up watching the show um, back when it was Road Rules. And, you know, I enjoyed like the OGs that were on the show. And, and then after that, I kind of, pulled away from it a little bit. I didn't watch it as much um, throughout high school and especially college because sports took up all my time. I did have it on like a list of mine and be like, you know what, I'd love to go to an interview or send a video in or something eventually. But with college soccer, you know, your days and nights are all taken up basically throughout the entire year, except that little sliver of summer. And once I found out that, you know, these things do take a bit of time and you do have to, you know, leave your job or have some of a job that's cool with you leaving for six weeks, which, you know, probably is not going to be a career that's cool with that. But um, so I wanted to, I, so I auditioned and um, the last season I kind of really watched was Real World Austin because I lived in Austin and I saw it filming around me as it was going. And so, um, so I actually just sent a video in 
and um, and just like everybody else, I went through the loops of uh, jumping through the hoops of like doing the interviews, doing the Skype interviews, doing the emails, this and that. Then I ended up getting flown out to um, LA, and we had an in-person interview, and this was for um, Real World Brooklyn. And so um, I ended up being an alternate. I didn't get picked, and and that was that. And so I moved on. Um, and it had been like, been like a year and a half, maybe two years. And I randomly just get a call and they're like, Hey, you know, would you be interested in going on the challenge? Um, and I had told them that like, they knew about my competitive and athletic background and, and that was definitely something I wanted to do. And so I basically got a call like a year and a half later there. And since I'd gone through everything from, you know, the interview process to the background check to the psyche valve. Um, I was basically, I guess, you know, they had me in a, in a waiting room and they called my number and that was that. Right. Yeah. That's gotta be, uh, you know, pretty cool, you know, watching real world Austin and obviously, you know, years later getting to go on, and, uh, you know, guys like Wes and Danny there that you, uh, kind of grew up watching. Right. So yeah. that's definitely, uh, that was cool. And it was also, you know, um, like we that was that instant connection we had because i'm born and raised there and and obviously that was the beginning of their careers and so um you know we would when i was on fresh meat they would always chop it up about places in austin this and that and obviously it was it was memories for them and so i could that was a a cool little relatable thing there that um basically started off my relationship with those guys mm-hmm. who did you uh you know kind of uh resonate with you know initially upon uh entering so when I was there, um, you know, I, I'd like, we, we had friends here and there and, and you hung out with this and that, but basically, you know, the way the show was set up was there was a lot of alcohol being served, uh, towards the evening every night. And so people, I mean, you know, whether it was, I mean, people were drinking like, like, you know, when, you know, when someone gets so drunk that you're like, is everything okay? Like, is, is everything all right in your life? Like, are you hiding from something? Yeah. That's how drunk everyone got every night. And the people that didn't drink was me and Kenny. And so uh, me and Kenny instantly formed this, like, connection. And um, even though I knew my gameplay was with Jen, and we were kind of playing a little bit of both sides, um, Kenny became my best friend, man. And, like, Kenny was the reason I stayed sane because the first week of that is a lot of fun. The second week gets real fun. It's, it's kind of tones down a little bit. And the minute that third week hits, you're like, I'm over it. You're like, it's, you're getting cabin fever. You're, it's basically like, you know, and that's, that's the, um, that's basically the recipe for a reality show is like, get in a car with one of your best friends and drive, you know, from Texas to Canada. It's going to take you three or four days and you're going to be with this person 24 seven. And you guys may be best friends, but after like 24, 48 hours of not of like every single minute together, you start like nitpicking at these little things here and there. And you're like, eh, I don't like this about you. I don't like that about you. And that's basically what happens in the real world house was that it was like, I don't like this. I don't like that about you. And then next thing you know, all this alcohol shows up at 5 p.m. and you get hammered. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to go tell this person how I really feel about him. Yeah. And you have reality TV. It's quite the psychological experiment um but kenny like was like my saving grace he he kept me sane him and i usually were the only ones up to like four or five in the morning every night um and we would you know be getting into antics and this and that i remember there was a real bad um there was a real bad bear problem (laughs) like real issue there was like bears everywhere and they were like you can't go running over here or if you see one do this or do that and they were like super strict on never leaving any snacks outside because the bears would show up, which immediately me and Kenny, the minute like everyone went to bed, we got the deli meat and we would like throw it off the balcony into the front and backyard, hoping a grizzly would show up. And sure enough, a black bear did show up one day. Um, it turns out black bears are just like big old skittish dogs. Like they don't want they don't want anything to do with you. So you, you run at them, they just take off. But, but yeah, he was uh, he was definitely my saving grace. All right. Yeah, that's actually, uh, you know, pretty cool. And I, exactly what you said, man, uh, from the people I've had on here, um, you know, so far that uh, we're in that house could uh, definitely, uh, you know, say that you guys uh, 
it was definitely wild. You guys went through a lot of, uh, you know, alcohol that uh, during that time. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a lot. And I guess, like, back in the day, they used to bring in wine, beer, vodka, and dark liquor. And I guess with the, when, when the dark liquor came, that's when the fights came. And so I think my season was one of the first seasons where they had taken the dark liquor away because they were like, it's just leading to physical altercations and yeah. they, weren't, they weren't a great, a safe environment. So you were picked, obviously, first out of the guys for the, um, you know, fresh meat selection. All around, I'd say you basically uh, put up the best, you know, combine numbers. Would you say that, um, you know, people took notice or felt threatened by you after your, you know, combine performance? Um, yeah, a little. I knew I was going to beat everybody because I knew, like, from my sporting history, I was still, you know, at that time I could still run like a 4 4 um, and so like, I knew I was going to be one of the, one of the better athletes there, but then after getting to know the guys for a few days in the tent and learning everybody's background, I knew I was going to beat everybody. Um, the, the combine was a little bit interesting, like in the sense where like, we were literally in a field of like six inch weeds and grass. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like a performance facility. We were literally in a field in the mountains, in the middle of nowhere, um, where there were bears. So it obviously like wasn't like a, a mode facility. Um, so yeah, we we did that, and you know I was active at the gym all the time, so I was super active at the time. So I, I knew I was gonna put a target on my back, um, but I was okay with that. I was 100% okay with that because I was ready to back anything that uh, anyone was ready to throw at me, except the bench press. I got destroyed at the bench press because it was an actual <laughs> combine bench. Yeah. The combine bench is 225. It was so, 225. 225. And I only weighed like 170 at the time. And so you had bigger guys like Vinny and Pete that were that were definitely capitalizing on that. They, they was actually 225 that they made you guys do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was because they were trying to do it like as relatively um uh like the same to an NFL combine. Um and some of the stuff they they weren't measuring properly, which was fine. But um but yeah, two twenty five was the bench and like I got there and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the L on this one, guys. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so you obviously alluded to, uh, you know, watching the real world Austin, but were you like a, um, you know, watcher or fan of the challenge prior to going on? I Yeah, I was a fan of the real world road rules challenge. Um, I hadn't watched much before I went on. So it was definitely when I was like in high school that I watched it. Um, and it was back in the day with the Mark Longs and the Cyruses and, you know, the Adam King and Young CT. And, and so it was... It was uh, and when Kenny and Evan used to run it. So it was it was a while ago that I used to watch it. Um, so when I got selected for it, I kind of, you know, like did my research and um, basically to see what kind of stuff is, is going to be thrown at me. Um, but, yeah, like I I still haven't really watched it ever since. Um, but when you're in that circle, uh, you kind of never leave it, you know, yeah. for this interview 10 years, 10 years, I did 10 yeah. years ago. Um, and so I still, you know, hear the gossip and hear the news through through the through the grapevine, whether I want to or not, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously before you uh, kind of mentioned you and uh, Jen were a little bit of you know both sides, a little middle ground, you know, between a because there was a divide obviously in the house. There was a Kenny side, there was the West side. Right. And you said uh, and alluded to that you and Kenny, you know, were close during this show, but you obviously grew up watching West. Did you? Uh, yourself like if it was you without your partner what side do you think that uh you would have played so outside of the game um i had met wes a couple of times and and i wes outside of the game is cool he's a cool guy you know he's an entrepreneur he's really smart um he's business savvy so like we would talk about that we would totally connect outside the game inside the game i just didn't like the way he played um ethically which i mean don't get me wrong there is no real ethics and in the gameplay, but I just didn't like the way he played. And um, Kenny was just straight cut and dry. And so we kind of were playing both sides. Um, and I had the connection with Wes, of, obviously with the Austin thing, but I was like kicking it with Kenny every night while everyone else got blacked out. And so Jen was basically forming an alliance with Wes, but we were kind of playing both sides. Um, and then when push comes to shove, we were like, all right, it's time to get off the Titanic and <laughs> jump on this ship. Yeah. 
So uh, now I'm going to ask you a little bit about the other real world Austin member that was on that cast. Cause I know he got into it a little bit with uh, Pete and Brandon. What was uh, your dynamic like with Danny? Danny was cool, man. Like, but the, like what I didn't really expect from Danny was like, Danny was just like this giant teddy bear. Like he was, he was just like super supportive, really never had anything negative to say. Um, you know, everybody drank every night, but like, Danny was just like a big old teddy bear. So the problem was in a game like that, it's like, I want more razor edge people as opposed to, I needed leaders as opposed to followers. And so, um, and then we saw, you know, kind of how like the Danny and West thing played out. Um, and it didn't really end when for, and end well for him. But like, when it came to like, if you wanted someone loyal on your team, and who was there for you who are ride or die like danny was your guy he was yeah super nice like just the most supportive dude complimenting the dudes all the time like just you gotta love him right yeah um would i let him lead me into battle no i would i mean you know the zero and six elimination record kind of uh Know, speaks for itself in that yeah he holds the record right now Jeez. believe it or not man the uh historians of this show and like the you know challenge fandom that there's like all these statistics and stuff and he actually has there's a record book you know and he uh he is the record for most seasons done without an elimination win and uh the worst record of 0 and 6 <laughs> that's terrible but, uh, <laughs> yeah man i mean he made oh, it back on the six shows nowadays if you lose like two eliminations in a row you might uh find it you know hard to even get a call back you know what i mean but yeah. uh for him to get on six times without winning but i mean yeah what you said about him being loyal you couldn't be more true i mean the guy took like uh you know i don't know if you remember from his season he got like you know seriously messed up taking like a punch from right. like so- defending his roommates yeah his didn't even involve so- um, his season was so emotionally involved um, that there was so many different dynamics to his season that people really connected with him, which really made him a figure that people knew about. And you watched the poor guy lose his mother on TV. You watched him get cracked in the middle of Sixth Street, and his, and I think his orbital socket got fractured. Like yeah. you watched so much stuff happen, um, and then you watched him fall in love. And so, like he he played a real pivotal figure in that in the entire. Um, empire of the challenge uh, he was definitely one of the most memorable characters so people loved seeing him back on but when it came to competition like that was a different different dynamic yeah. i think that they definitely expected him to become like because i'd say honestly like i i love their season of real world and i'd honestly you know say that uh although west went on to be the more like i'd say most successful out of all of them that uh show wise speaking danny was probably the face of that you know season yeah i mean real world yeah enter of any event that happened during that time right so i definitely think that uh you know producers and whatnot had like expectations for him you know set the bar high going for him into the challenge but uh it didn't quite pan out obviously as we just alluded to. i mean he played the social game but there's a physical game that you can't really avoid Mm -hmm. yeah so uh you know, you being partnered with Jen, obviously she's going to draw most of the attention. She's uh, pretty outspoken and they edit, you know, TV a certain way. And the way the edit was kind of uh, made you, you know, take a back seat to her a little bit. Was there like more to you that we didn't get to see on the show or were you pr- pretty clear cut and dry? So like I, I am, I mean, in all honesty, like I am like a Jen, um, but the problem was, like, we were rookies, right? And and Jen is a very, like, hey, I'm going to take the steering wheel, get in the fucking passenger seat, and I'm driving this car. So, like, in in essence, looking back on it, like, would I have wanted someone um, different for my character development? Um, yeah, like, maybe I would have wanted someone like Jill who was a little bit quieter, and I could have taken the front seat. But the fact of the matter was, like, during the combine, I actually did want Jen to pick me. And um, she did end up being a great partner because she played the social game real well. And and then I wish I also had Jen now because Jen now is like a CrossFit coach or something. And she's like yeah. crazy in shape and crazy fit. And on the challenge, she wasn't. And so it kind of it kind of held us back here and there. But at the same time, we were going against Kenny and Laurel, which 
in Kenny's word. In Kenny's words, it was an advantage to have a big bird on your team, and uh, and I had a I had a little bird. So yeah, yeah, like as exactly what you alluded to. You know, Jill and uh, you know Pete were together. Jill was a challenge champ. You know, she had won a season before, but it seemed like you know Pete, being like the uh, alpha male that he is, he kind of was like calling the shots for him in a way. It seemed a little right. bit. But I feel like if you would have, you know, the roles could have been reversed. Um, you definitely could have been the one, uh, you know, driving yeah. the uh, getaway vehicle. I'm also like a big believer in everything happens for a reason. So it's like um, I did want to go into TV and film. And I know if you've done a lot of reality TV that that transition isn't as easy. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, my I did that one season and, and then I kind of ventured away. But um it was a blast um and you know she was a firecracker at the time <laughs> and so i was constantly uh having to to make sure the fire didn't get out of control um but yeah i mean it was it was a good time so that season uh the elimination styles are in exile form you know that's the way the format was so it's almost like mini finals were the elimination rounds was the final or exile harder. They're both terrible. <laughs> They're both terrible. Um, but as it went, it was it was uh, it was a challenge day, and the next day was the exile, and the next the next day was voting in exile, and the next day was like interviews. So you had like right. these day breaks. Uh, the problem with our exile was that we won we had won the challenge prior, so then we got to pick the order of that obstacle course, which was like I think half a mile long or something. Um, then we screwed ourselves by going last because we didn't realize how long it would take. So the damn sunset. So we we're doing it in pitch black. And then the, uh, TJ hit us with that curveball and said, Hey, by the way, the exile is right now. And we were like, shit. So we had to go straight home, uh, grab our bags, get back in the van and then go straight to the exile. That exile was really, really difficult because so first is like a little puzzle. And then um, after that, you basically, my exile, you had a, uh, basically like a weight bar. And at the end, there was two buckets and the buckets had chains on them. And then you had to put sandbags into the buckets. So when you took a step forward, the buckets would sway. And the minute it swayed, like your entire spine was like, this is not happening. You literally took one step at a time, like one of those like strongman competitions and everything would sway. And so I think we had a hundred and like, 50 pounds or 140 pounds yeah something like that and in bags and i was like all right i'll take 100 you take 40 that was a terrible idea <laughs> i went like i went like three steps i collapsed and um i think ryan and Teresa had split it evenly and so they 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 cruised right on by us um and so i was struggling getting to the first checkpoint uh we get to the first checkpoint and it was basically a um a puzzle where it's uh nine squares and it's one through nine and then you had to make it so each line and each like diagonal line equaled 15 i think that was a puzzle or something like that but i was good at puzzles and i was good at um i was good at numbers so the minute we caught up to them i zoomed through the puzzle and we got to lose a little bit of weight and take off um and you basically were going, you're hiking uphill for, I don't know, I think it was like maybe a mile or two. It took it took over an hour, I think. Maybe under, I don't know. It was a long time uphill. We had no light. They gave us like a little red blinking light. So you couldn't really see anything. So you're constantly tripping on stuff. Um, and then like what they didn't show was uh, the second checkpoint was like this, like you hold a big wooden puzzle and have a ball kind of roll through the maze. We did that, um, but then Jen just couldn't go anymore. So I put her weight on my shoulders, and then I grabbed her bar, and I held it behind my back. And so I had all the weight, and I was hiking up myself, and Jen literally had her helmet in my ass and was pushing me up the hill. Um, that was difficult. The, the final was just as bad but it was just so long it was so long like we started at eight in the morning we got done like i think
you could jump out and pull your canoe up. I jumped down. It was like six feet deep. And I was like, fuck. So I had to do the rest of the day freezing. So the rest, the rest of the day, I was just soaking wet. And it was in the middle of winter in Whistler, Canada. Um, and then, like, you know, they had shit that you just couldn't do. Like, biking uphill with... Um, and you also, like, you're only allowed to be X amount of distance from your partner. Your partner could never... So I couldn't ever, like, kind of take off and and catch up with anybody. And so we were only... We were, like, a, our two bikes were attached with, like, a three-foot rope or something. And we had to bike straight uphill, which is, like... It looked like an old... Uh, like a ski resort that doesn't have snow on it yet. Yeah. And so biking uphill on that was impossible. So I had both the bikes and I was running with them. And at one point in time we did catch, um, who'd we catch? We caught Pete and Jill and then they gapped out again. And then we had to carry an 80 pound, um, punching bag two miles up a hill. And then you had to ice pick up the end and we were so far back. <laughs> We were so far back in, in last place that they just sent a helicopter and picked us up. So we didn't even climb that last that last ice wall. Like it was it was bad. We were so far back, but I would. I mean, they're both suck, dude. They both are so bad. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, man. Is your so, speaker uh, off? I can't hear you. Wait. You can't hear me. Is that you or me? Is that speaker off? What does that mean? That might be you. Uh, there we go. Sorry. Okay. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So for my uh, my next question, you know, I read things and you know, fans and people like to uh, you know, say you know what they think happened and speculate, and um, but there is like a large amount of the fan base that always wonders and uh, you know, asks like, why haven't we seen Nor again? Like, why is he back? Like, you know, what for whatever reason. Can you talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, why, uh, you know, we didn't see one another challenge or. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so basically, like when, when you make these shows, you have to um, because now that I've like, you know, studied TV and film a little bit more um, when you make these shows, like you have to have certain characters that have a certain dynamic that create um, an end result. The fact of the matter was, was like when I was on Fresh Meat, like I wasn't outspoken enough. I wasn't I wasn't really me. Which is, I am a controversial character, um, but I'm more humorous than anything. And the problem was, was like, when I got off the show, everybody in the cast loved me. And that was the problem. Is like, if everybody loves you, you're not controversial. Well, like, we're fucking not having a need for you. So, um, so yeah, I just basically wasn't controversial enough. And then, like, the next two or three um, seasons, uh, the way they were, the, the way they were pit, it was like, you know, if you had hooked up with somebody or if like you hated somebody or this or that, and that just like, I didn't fit the mold basically. And so because I didn't fit the mold, I mean, that was that, you know? Um, and you know, was it a blessing in disguise? Who knows? Um, because I'm still like kind of going towards the TV and film route. And would I get the opportunities um, if I was, you know, more on the reality side? Um, a lot of producers kind of shy away from that stuff. So yeah, it's like, uh, it is what it is, you know? Um, yeah. If they called me back, like, would I go? I, I don't know. Like, um, if they did, like, a, you know, one-hit wonders against, like, the fucking, the old-timers, like, they brought, like, the old dinosaurs out, you know, like Cyrus and that fossil Mark Long and, like, all these just prehistoric guys that I loved watching. Like, I think I would definitely go. Also, you know, now that I'm older and, you know, starting a family and a life and all that uh obviously the financial incentive is there um but yeah you know it's like i just really didn't fit the mold for for the for the controversy they were asking for right it was a lot of stuff that like i probably wouldn't have wanted to say on on um national television you know because because the implications of doing it back in the 90s is not the same as now is that if you just say one bad thing, bam, you're viral. Everybody knows you. The next time you go anywhere and someone types in your name on Google, like the most fucked up shit you ever did is the first thing to come up. Yeah. It's like, so you got to be careful with that too. Like, do I do a bunch of dumb shit when, you know, no cameras around? We all do. Um, but yeah, so that's basically the reason that, you know, you, you didn't see uh, any more of, uh, of newer. <laughs> The cocky little shithead that he was back then. <laughs> Were you called again though? Because 
there was like a cutthroat season where it seemed like most of, that was the next season. But I know the two ones after that was rivals and um, exes. All once, and then um, and I had a conversation, and then that was that. It was I mean there was nothing there was nothing really after that. Mm-hmm. So did you uh, you know watch the show at all like since being on or? It, I mean, like I said, it's like you can't really ever leave that world. I don't have MTV anymore because that shit's like extra for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> like every cable plan, I got every other channel except MTV for some reason. So I don't know why it's extra, but um, but I still kind of stay in the loop, you know, because it's like I see Brandon from time to time. I see Leroy here all the time. Um, Vinny's at my gym. I see Vinny, you know, every other day almost. Uh, so like, an, and a lot of those people came through Vegas, um, and at the time, um, I was uh, a creative director at one of the one of the nightlife venues at Bellagio, and so I was seeing everybody, you know, cross paths with me all the time. Um, so you kind of like stay in that world, you know, and uh, and I've seen, you know, some people like Cara's basically what the face of MTV now. So yeah, the female face, pretty much. Yeah, it, uh, it's awesome to see, you know, CT still come back and and swinging at it. So it's it's fun to watch, um, but it's just like you know, I've got other projects i'm working on so uh if it's on i'll watch it but I'm, i haven't been following it die hard yet um i did watch my first season of survivor last year wow I, yeah wow that's a because because you now that i can relate to being isolated somewhere for so long um that's a social mind fuck i mean jesus christ and they're making them like kill their own chickens and, and skin them like we would have been screwed <laughs> like we're in a mansion getting catered to three times a day. Like I can't cut my own chicken. Go to hell. <laughs> so you obviously alluded to, uh, you know, going into the TV entertainment type thing. I was going to ask you, wh- um, what opportunities came out of, uh, you know, you doing these shows? Um, doing that, like you always have like the, uh, that, I mean that, that younger demographic, that college demographic. So, you know, like, I went and I hosted a couple of spring breaks. Um, you know, I did events here and there that were obviously uh, MTV related. We did, you know, obviously the after shows with Bina Murray. Um, and I did a bunch of stuff like that. And then when I, I actually ended up moving to Vegas um, like three months afterwards. And the funny part was um, Brandon and Vinny already lived here. And so I had this conversation with Brandon. I was thinking about leaving Austin because I was born and raised in Austin and I'd done everything it ever was. I was like, you know what, I want to I want to try something new and, you know, leave the nest. So I have this, like, three-hour conversation with Brandon. And this is a story of me coming to Vegas. And Brandon basically convinces me to move to Vegas. I'm like, you know what, we're going to do it. So I pack my bags. I'm like, I'm going to be there May 1st. Well, lo and behold, I didn't know Brandon was blacked out during this entire conversation we had. And so Brandon's like, yo, I got everything ready. Like, we're good to go. This that. I'm like, bet. So I get in the car. I get there. Nothing's ready. Like, we don't have an apartment. We don't have anything. And I'm in my car with a 160-pound wolf, mind you. So I'm like, I'm like, what? So it was a fucking mess, dude. So I get here. I have nowhere to stay. So I call um, Carly, who lived here at the time, too. And Carly was like, hey, like, you know, come, you can hang out at my place until you guys get your shit situated. So thank God for her. I would have been homeless. So I stayed with her for like three days while I worked with Brandon to get an apartment. We get an apartment. We move in together. Um, and then and then that's how Vegas basically started. Um, but being on the show, I came out here. And that's, you know, kind of when Twitter was getting big and social media was really getting big. And that played a big factor on you getting jobs in this side of the realm, in the entertainment world. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, the third day I lived here, I got a job at the win. Um, and it was because they saw like the MTV background. They saw what I had done in the past and this and that. So it, it helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually, uh, you know, pretty cool, man. Yeah. It worked out. And, uh, and then, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I thought I was only going to be here for a little bit because my plan was to be here and then move to LA and basically learn the TV and film industry and see if I like it or not. Um, and that was 10 years ago, and I'm still here. Right. And, you know, I ended up meeting uh, my fiance, and and we've been together for eight years, and that's that, man. So um, I did end up moving to L.A. the last three years, um, 
to kind of experiment in that area and I really enjoyed it and I was uh I had some success and things were moving along but you know with every um every relationship uh the key in my opinion is compromise and so she wanted me to move because we were I was going back and forth between LA and, and Vegas every two weeks and um she just wanted me to you know wanted to be under the same roof and kind of begin life together even though we've been together for eight years but you know it's a different dynamic when you live together uh and so I kind of put that on hold and I moved back here um, in October of last year and I've been working on some projects here, uh, which I can elaborate on later. Um, but yeah, that's basically how I, uh, MTV kind of affected my life. So if it wasn't for MTV, if it wasn't for me meeting the guys and then having a, apparently a drunk conversation with Brandon and moving out here, you know, I wouldn't have met who I'm with now. So like I said, it all happens for a reason. Well, I, yeah. Seems like uh, most of, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, your uh, real life and then uh, on the show, it seemed like most of, uh, you know, your situations happen for a reason. It happens. It happens. So. Right. All right, man. Well, uh, it was a pleasure, uh, you know, having to get you on here and speak with you, man. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the fans yeah. will really like this one. You got any other uh, questions, comments, concerns? <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, like, you know, what we've, uh, what you've been up to since we've last, you know, seen you, but you basically already, uh, you know, kind of, for the most yeah. part, I'd say. I'm trying, it's, 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 it's even harder to remember the challenge, man. Like, uh, you know, I've kept in touch with, I was actually texting Kenny today. Um, and then, you know, obviously I see like most of the guys here and there, um, but yeah, it was like, it was a fun challenge. I'm always like forever thankful for Mandy because when Jen uh, decided to go off on Mandy and try to kill her, um, I thought I was going home that day. I thought I was going home that day. And um, and so I, I they, someone told me to start packing my bags because of some shit Jen did. And then basically they pulled Jen to the side and they said, um, or sorry, they pulled Mandy to the side. And they said, hey, you know, do you want to like, you've been attacked. Do you, do you want to send them home? And the story I heard was she asked if both of us will be sent home. And they said, yeah. And so, um, because of that, Mandy was like, you know, I want them to stay. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and so, you know, I, I appreciate her for that. Otherwise I would have been in and out and no one would have heard of me. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, I, I, because you called me, I've been like thinking about all that back then, which was, uh, it's definitely a fun time. I'm trying to think of anything, anything else that happened. It's really hard to remember. Um, yeah, honestly, I was, uh, you know, any like unseen, you know, fights, hookups that you could remember from that season. Like, uh, I think every hookup they showed on camera. But what people don't understand though is that there's no doors to these rooms. The only doors are in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So if someone was hooking up and say like, you know, it was two in the morning and mo most everybody went to bed, but there was still like four or five minutes awake, you walk by the door and the door's wide open and they're hooking up and you're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then you just walk right by. So that was like a real, real interesting dynamic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like um, it was just little, little things that we like, like Pete said, I saw, I saw a clip of his interview. We would, I'll do all these damn sing-alongs all the time, but I'm sure they're all copyrighted. Um, all this wildlife that would show up, like that bear that showed up. I think, I want to say Luke chased it or something. There was raccoons that showed up. Oh, there was, so the raccoons in Canada, like I'm from Texas, raccoons are like, they're filthy. Like, like they're just, just ghetto fucking raccoons. Like their credit score is fucked up. Like these are just mangy fucking animals. Like in Canada, they're like Disney raccoons. Like, their coloring is beautiful. They're, they're nice. And so, but they're 100% rabies. I remember a few came into the, into the, um, into like the backyard one night and Laurel was hammered. And Laurel went out there and was like, trying to make friends with them. And, and like, the producer was like, get your ass inside. She was like, I just want to hug them. And she was like, I think she might have been feeding them. I don't know what, the, but their hands are up. And then um, there was another time that, when you come back, because every time you go on exile, you have to pack your bags. So Landon went, and when he came back, um, he left his bag at the front door, and he comes in, and you know, everybody greets him and whatnot, and he forgot about his bag. 
Dude, we went out there. A raccoon unzipped his bag, took out a protein packet, opened the protein packet, and was like just covered in protein powder. And we had this like on-running joke that we were afraid that fucking raccoon is going to come back, just juiced out one of these nights, and just open our door and fuck shit up. Wow. That was a good time. That was a good time. And then um, I kept in touch with Landon. That was, that was such an awesome guy. I loved him. He was like, because what was interesting, I mean, the, and the recipe to, to reality shows is that, like, you get a bunch of crazy fucking people, and you get a bunch of people that have really opinionated personalities, and then you put them with someone who doesn't agree with their views and watch the fireworks happen. And so when you found, like, the real guys, like Kenny and and Landon, especially that were, like, just normal, good, down-to-earth dudes, you really connected with them. And Landon was definitely definitely one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember, so when you get there, you basically get a bag of, of Under Armour gear. And it's cool. Like, they had, like, um, they had some, like, designer shades in there and all sorts of stuff. And I remember I got, I got the sickest jacket out of everybody. I got, like, this black Under Armour jacket out of everybody. And, and then, like, day two, it went missing. And I was like, does anybody see my jacket? And so, like, it became this, like, on-running joke. If anybody seen, like, I've been looking for this black, I was like, I could have sworn I had, a, like, because I, I, everyone looks at it and they kind of put your stuff away. And I was like, I could have sworn I had it. Um, then, like, next thing you know, like, every other day, I'm, like, looking for it or asking for it. And then, I guess my fiance is home. Um, and then like one day I see Kenny wearing it and it's been like a month and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with my jacket? And like, he had been hiding it and like trying to take it from me the entire fucking show. And it was really funny. Like it was just like this big, like prank basically. Cause they were like stealing my clothes. And, uh, and so Kenny, the asshole that I had like become best friends with for the last four weeks, basically stole my jacket um wow but yeah, yeah. And uh... that house is incredible like because they they ended up doing so there was like a rumor that basically we were supposed to go to sydney um there was this like on-running rumor that we were supposed to film in sydney but something happened with the labor laws and it made sense because all of our challenge like a majority of them were water-based and i didn't think they would do water-based challenges in whistler um in the winter so, like, Canadian winter doesn't make sense to do, you know, water-based challenges in. Um, and so I remember, like, Canada had some real, and they think they still have some real strict laws of, like, if you can get in with the DUI or this or that. <laughs> I remember a couple of our couple of our guys had had some stuff on them or uh, something on their record, so they weren't able to get into the country. So we hung out at that airport for a while. Um, and then where, uh, where, that, where our house was, um, one of the Olympic teams stayed there like two months after us and like i think cbs or whoever's covering the olympics made that their headquarters so you saw like our house all the time during uh during the olympics which was cool um yeah there was that and then our challenges which was real real sketchy there was one challenge where um we're swinging with the uh sticks above water and you had to like jump from branch to branch and basically there's all these sea lions under us so there's like four, and sea lions are fucking huge. They're like 160 pounds. Like they're, they're six feet. They're huge. But like, you don't see that until you get real up close to them. And in the distance, there's killer whales. So, I'm, hey, those eat these. Why are we dangling up here? And I don't even know if anybody had a lookout or not, but it was what it was, man. But it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. It was a great experience. Canada's dope. I have a new appreciation for Canada and, and the beauty of that area. Um, and then, you know, I, I got I had some got some lifelong friends that, you know, I don't necessarily talk to all the time, but it's like every time I see him, we just kind of pick up where we left off. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, Darrell, I only, what, hung out with him for a day or two. Um, but we just like connected so much that I've stayed in touch with him and he would come visit me in Vegas like once every year or two. So that was a cool part about living here is that everybody kind of came to me um or all of us here like they all just kind of pass through so you you luckily get to see all these people that's the beauty of vegas is like everybody and their mother eventually comes here for some reason or another so 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask, uh, you know, a few questions that came to mind since, uh, you know, we're on top. So the, I was going to ask, like, do you still keep in contact with Landon? Because he's obviously a guy that uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, want me to get on. And Landon's already, already got a hold up, dude. Like, like, yeah, I would message him and, like, he would respond to me, like, three months later. And I'm like, all right. So, But Landon's like, you know, so one of, like, the challenges we had was, like, we were um, rolling logs. And these logs are like, they're proper tree trunks. They're like 90, 120 pounds each. They're not light. And your hands are getting destroyed. Like just, if you want to know what it's like, go outside and rub your hands on tree bark over and over again. Like your hands are getting fucked. And, um, and then like Landon was like flying through everything. And he was like, yeah, I do this all the time. And we're like, what? Like Landon, and Landon, Landon didn't have a gym membership. But with the, the time that the, the last challenge that Landon was on, he won the whole thing. He never had a gym membership. Like, and Landon wow. was like jacked, so um, so that's when I found out like he's a real outdoorsy guy. Like he's a real, he's basically the best way I can say is organic. He's a very organic, like normal human. And so getting a hold of that guy is impossible. Like he's not. I mean, he probably still has a flip phone. I'll be honest. Like he's never. He doesn't do the social media thing that much. So I think last I saw him, he was like maybe in the dental industry. I don't know. Yeah, he um, uh, makes like dentist equipment. I think. Yeah, so I never really talked to the fresh meat girls. Um, the guys, obviously, you know, of, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I touch base here and there, but it's like, we like each other's pictures here and there and kind of, that's like the way now it is, like the social media is how we stay in contact, but. Yeah, I was going to ask another question, too. You know, I've seen this, like, on, like, some, uh, you know, challenge Reddit or, like, you know, articles. They're, it's, like, when they talk about, like, people who hooked up with who, I don't know why, but when I saw one day, it said unconfirmed, but it had Kara and Darrell's names next to each other. And then I, I was like, what? Like, it didn't make sense to me. But then when I rewatched the uh, first episode of, you know, Fresh Meat 2, when they got sent home, like everyone else was partying, and then Darrell and uh, you know, Car Maria were in the same uh, you know, bed together. I mean, I don't. Well, know. reason for that was, Cara was like brand new, and Cara was like, Cara just didn't. At, at that time, Cara didn't give herself the credit that she deserved. Like she was physical attribute, like she was she was dope. Um, but I think she got had she got mind fucked. So basically, um, when she got thrown in, she was kind of like shocked and she was like emotionally distraught and that's why Darrell was there with her because she was like getting in her own headspace um and so Darrell like basically went and and like was like hey calm down this that and all of us were like why are you freaking out I'm like you have the king as a partner like you're gonna be just fine um and obviously it, it panned out the way it did um, but no, there, was, there wasn't even time for them to hook up. Like <laughs> they, they were there for 36 hours. They were gone. But uh, no, that's that's definitely not true. Okay, I didn't think so either. But I thought it was weird that I saw that. I was like, yeah, that was that, that was that same night. I remember uh, what's his name, Jeff Barr. He blacked out. And Paula, oh yeah, yeah. And Paula was <laughs> Paula. By the way, Paula and Ryan were like some of the funniest and i stayed in contact with them a little bit um they were just hysterical like they were so fun to be around and they were just so funny um as you can tell with when like paula has basically taken jeff's corpse of a body and talking about how much of a wonderful partner she has <laughs> hey but yeah that was that was a good time I'm trying to think of anything else any other questions any other rumors you've seen no, I think I touched base on most rumors. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the rumor department, uh, we're pretty much. The rumor department. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'm in Vegas. Um, I basically do hospitality. We do club openings, um, hotel openings, restaurant openings. And then um, right now I'm working on a project out in Augusta, Georgia, um, where I'm on a team where we're basically trying to throw a three-day concert Um so out in uh, Augusta, and then uh, the latest fun thing is there's a there's a show when I was in, when I was living in LA and I was doing the acting thing. Um, I live by myself, and so obviously you know when you live by yourself, like 
certain things get you through certain times. And uh, there was a show called Holy Moly on uh, on ABC. It's a Steph Curry's mini golf show with Rob Riggle and uh, and Joe Tessitore. And the commentary to me was by far the funniest thing I've seen in my life. Um, like Rob Riggle just destroys people when they when they basically get smacked in the head or or something terrible happens to or you know they get instant scoliosis basically and uh and for me that was like one of the funniest shows in the world and and i used to watch it all the time and so i sent him a video and so next thing you know i'm on that so that'll be on i think maybe in three or four weeks um the show is currently on right now um but my episode i'm not sure it'll be in it'll be on about three or four weeks i think um but you can always tune into my social and and see it there but uh yeah, so that'll that'll be fun to watch. Get get the mind off of things for an hour. But yeah, uh, but yeah man, just uh, out here living life, chasing dreams, refusing to grow up. You know. Yeah, you, that's, it's the life, man. You know. That's the life. That's it. Do you still talk to Kenny? To Kenny? Yeah, yeah. I actually talked to him uh, earlier today. Um, All right. I touch base with him here and there. Um, he's real busy. He's real big in the fitness world now. Yeah, he's in uh, New York, right? Yeah, he's in New York. He's got people sponsoring him, this and that. Um, I think he might be a partner in a gym or something. I'm not sure uh, what exactly, but I know, like, in the fitness world, he's big in the fitness world. He's been doing real well with that. And um, I just know, like, now with all the crazy stuff that's going on in New York, it's a real, it's a real battlefield out there right now. So he's got to be careful um he said it's a it's a real uh different time right now but yeah he was like it's it's unbelievable what's going on out there so i wish him safety as well as everybody else once uh once all this is over and we can get back to normal life first it was covid and then and then all the protesting came and this and that and yeah now i'm hearing stuff about ebola resurfacing dude oh my god it's funny i mean it'll happen Godzilla might show up. I'm just waiting for Planet of the Apes. I think the apes should come back and like July. Aliens, too, yeah. The aliens are coming. I'm sure the apes are going to come on horseback in mid-July. Ninja Turtles at some point. Maybe Godzilla in October. Who knows? Who knows? It's, uh, (laughs) this year's been fucked. So, uh, (laughs) hey, whatever comes next is not going to be surprising. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. If anybody if anybody wants to know what it's like to be on a challenge, it's like the year 2020. That's what it is. The most absurd, fucked up shit gets thrown at you left and right, and you're like, "Is this real life?" That's the challenge. Landon will have the answers though. Basically, basically. Yeah. Welcome to the challenge, real life 2020. <laughs> well, I think the fans will really love this man, and I uh, I was glad I was able to get a hold of you and get you on here. For sure, man. Uh, had a good time and. Um, Hope to see you all around. Who knows where you're going to be next? That's true. All right, man. Take care and stay safe. All right, man. Have a good one. Bye. See you.